I would bring out a low alcohol beer or a zero alcohol beer called Big Ass Beer. Um, so that way you can stand at the barbecue and tell everyone that, you know, I'm drinking a big ass beer, but just quietly sipping no alcohol. But it'd be actually very high in residual sugar, thus giving you uh, a big ass uh, over time. Uh, well, no. <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are our proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. And joining us from our Brisbane studios and one from the outhouse out the back, we've got Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. <laughs> Morning, Pete. How are you? And Jimmy Gold. Well, thanks. G'day, Jimmy. G'day, g'day. How's it going? But uh, back from holidays, one week has just worn her out. The hamster's fallen off the wheel. We have no, the no, boom no, has no, left no, the no, room. No, I, I, um, we've been sort of interchanging between working from home and working in the office, and I left the third set of um, microphone headphones at uh, work, at, at home. So Jimmy had made the effort to come in. Claire was here anyway, so she got punted. Yeah. So there's an advantage of being locked down in Melbourne is that You'd never leave anything at work. No, you yeah. never leave anything at home. <laughs> Everything's where you need it. How good's that? That's it. Red thoughts into green thoughts. That's a good Tick that positive, positive spin on your being red thoughts into green thoughts. That's it. Either that or it's just, you know, we're just slowly going stir crazy and uh, it's starting to manifest itself in, um, you know, unusual thoughts, tangents, <laughs> rabbit holes, all that sort of stuff. But um, no, it's, uh, it's the first of October, Matt. I was just about to say pinch in a punch for the first of the month, Pete. White rabbit. Right. And anyway, <laughs> isn't that a Melbourne say? thing? <laughs> isn't that a Melbourne thing where you sort of, you know, when you're running around the schoolyard pinching and punching, but then so people can't give it back to you, you say white rabbit? No. Okay. No, VFL. VFL? Vac- VFL. Vax for life. Girls' dreams, no returns, Vax for life. Okay. Yeah. I've been out of school yeah. too or, long. Yeah. Or, or you just say no returns. No returns. You okay. punch them punch, well, that's what you we used to so say. hard that they don't want to punch you back. <laughs> they say no return. Hey, Pete, Matt just pulled yeah. a beer out of the fridge. Yeah, I would, I would, teaser, spoiler, well, spoiler gonna alert. To, I was going to get him to shut up for a second so he can do this. I was just about to go. Oh. Oh. Didn't really have a... No, that was good. Yeah, 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, 8.21 and cracking the first beer of the day, Pete. Go on. Do tell. Oh, it's alcohol-free. It's alcohol-free. So Jimmy's uh, sitting there drinking a Nort. Nort. And I'm drinking no Bubble from uh, Holgate. A naughty naught. So naught from our friends at uh, Modus Operandi. And, and I do have to say, I don't know whether the commenter on the Facebook page uh, is a podcast listener, but somebody, because it's N-O-R-T, and so, you know, it's, or how do you pronounce it? And somebody weighed in and said, oh, I wonder if was, they call it. Yeah, nert. Nert. And wert and wort. Well, that, that <laughs> was Joey, Joe Clark. Oh, yeah. That was Joe Clark. And yeah. I sort of weighed in and sort of said, you know, again, it was one of those things where you're just sort of scanning your phone, sort of see a comment, re- reply to correct it without putting too much thought. And uh, apart from our Bruce News um, discussion, you know, most Facebook groups, you know, y- you don't attribute too much uh, you know, insight and cleverness <laughs> to, to some of the humour. Um, and so it, the, the whole thing about uh, nert and wert and nort and naught um went over my head so yeah that was very clever all uh, right so presumably yes it is because it's zero is already taken and it's a play on naught you know duck egg donut you could have called it yep. yeah donut sausage which yeah. i think love all is um the, the same as yeah. Holgate because it's zero zero that's right 
And uh, le oeuf, it's, it's not love, because it, originally it was French, wasn't it? So it was the egg, le oeuf. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, there you go. So duck eggs, hence the, yeah, the expression. Oh, no, an, an, an oeuf is an egg, because one is an oeuf. <laughs> wow, it's getting loose on these no-alcohol beers. Well, I've done it, smell it as well. What, what did you call it, the... Um, when you, sort of... you guys get even non-alcoholic. You guys get got to keep up the squirt if this is what's going to happen. <laughs> That's it. But Jimmy, you, you described it. What was your fear that you sort of uh, a bit of placebo buzz? Placebo buzz, yeah. yeah. Um, we, we, which was what I was thinking uh, when I had one during the week. I thought oh, it's okay to have a beer at work without killing my um, productivity, just to give it a try. But it didn't. I didn't get that placebo buzz or that sort of feeling that you get because no one was being silly around me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I see. So it's not the alcohol, it's just that you're easily led, Matt. I am easily led, yes. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of led, let's use that lead on, Pete. to let us into our first story, which is um, a good news story. Beer club resurgence helps brewers grow communities. So COVID-19 has seen many breweries look to direct-to-consumer sales and online stores as a means of replacing their lost on-premise sales. Um, but it's also seen breweries renew focus on their regular subscription services and their beer clubs. Um, and this year, this week, uh, Claire penned a, a piece about uh, looking at the uh, business case for, for beer clubs, what they are and what the brewers aim to achieve with the model. Uh, Bridge Road Brewers, I'm going to say, were possibly... The goat goat army was the first. It was the goat army okay? Goat, but but I don't know whether the goat army back then was geared up for like sending beer out on a regular, uh, but or whether it was more just an online shop. I'd, I'd need to just double check with the guys. Tom Tommy Dunwant would probably know, um, but I, I think the posse, the Bridge Road Brewers posse, which uh, opened up in two thousand and nine, was probably the the first beer club. Um, with a regular, so like four deliveries, seasonal deliveries each year. Stone and Wood launched its consumer beer club in November last year as a way to directly connect with its customer base as well. It's certainly, look, it's a good, I, I'm a member of the posse, so I, I can only speak from that point of view. Um, and there is, there is a bit of excitement around, you know, knowing that the that it's on the way and you see the, uh, um, the courier note, you know, you're, Parcel's been dispatched and it'll be there shortly and, and that sort of thing. And, and um, the reason I think the posse does really well is that you get a couple of – a selection of favourites depending on the the season. But then there's the um, the posse uh, brew, which is uh, especially brewed for – just for to put in the posse packs. So this spring – no, it must have been the winter one – was a, a DDH um, a hazy IPA. There's a you know a, a lager. So they zigged when everyone else was zagging, did they, Pete? They did. <laughs> zig zoggy, zig zoggy, oi oi oi. Oh no, you know that. Yeah, you know, we'll do something different for the posse pack than everyone else is doing in the market. Yeah, I see what you did there. Uh, but no, uh, so in that respect, it's it's uh, it can be interesting. Um, it's a good and, and just uh, I guess it once you're locked in, it, it kind of saves you the trouble of having to. You know, go out and seek something out, um, and rather than getting a slab of uh, beer A or beer B, there are you know normally I think there's half a dozen of the of the the posse only ones. There's half a dozen of, of something else, and then the other twelve is three, 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 three. 
Yep. It's interesting that they've survived so long with the posse pack because I remember, you know, in in, in the early days of craft beer, um, we did start to see some some membership boxes and, um, you know, Beer Masons was one that I'll have to dig back to when that was, but that would have been, you know, mid to late 2000s, um, you know, where they were sort of doing uh, imported Belgian and international beers. And I remember yeah. thinking at the time that, you know, I don't know how you make this model work because beer is a volume game, you know, and the if you're going to be sourcing unique beers the way they were in those days and sending it out, you know, with distribution, it's an expensive way of doing things, um, particularly when, you know, the... the you'd, I don't see that you'd necessarily get a first-mover advantage in something like... Um, a, a, a beer pack unless you scale very very quickly because very soon you're going to be competing against um, all of the other um, bigger retailers or even the breweries who have the ability to sort of grow those things at scale whereas you're always going to be buying beers at a, at a unit cost but you know um, when you look at the bridge road model it wasn't just about the revenue they were making it, you know, they were making the beer, they were the controlling the supply, and it was an outreach and an engagement for the broader business. It was, you know, sort of a, a, a brand um, play. Yeah, and I think, yeah, like, yeah. it would have taken them quite a while to build that as well, but it says in the story that they've got, you know, a 1,000 members now. I think in the nature of, the, you know, craft beer drinkers, we're pretty, we shop around a fair bit. So I think to have a 1,000 dedicated people that pay and, and, and get the posse packs is is pretty good indication that it's worth the effort because potentially that's a thousand customers that would otherwise just go and they might buy your beer once a month or once a quarter or whatever but by having them locked into a service they go yeah yeah, it's a really good service and i just you know i pay for it and i I really enjoy that that part of the um you know kind of just getting what i've ordered um it's pretty popular in coffee culture as well like the sort of coffee you know you get sent a different roast every week or every fortnight or whatever so i think it's i think it's something Mm. breweries can definitely capitalize on but it, i don't think it's going to just blow up overnight i think it's something you've got to be very very consistent on and whether it's weekly fortnightly monthly whatever you've just got to make sure you do it and then make it exciting as well you know like no one wants to, to just get your core range pale once a month because that's not really a beer club it's got to be it, or, or even or even the stuff that you can like look i can you know walk down to my local uncle dan's or i can walk down to my local independent uh, retailer and get the same thing. So I think mm. that's where you've got to do something like the Posse Pack does and offer something exclusive. This week we've had two media releases from two startup businesses. Um, and, and get your bingo cards ready. Um, one is an online store dedicated to alcohol-free beer. Um, the other one is an online store dedicated to seltzer. Um, you know, we are only doing seltzer um, on our online store. And you know, when you sort of look at, well, how do you cover that story? And the first question is, well, what is the business advantage of me as a shopper going to a store that only sells alcohol-free beer or only sells seltzer? Because, you know, you, you presumably Dan Murphy's, you know, all of the other, you know, beer cartel um, are going to have a extensive range of those products as well. Actually, I wonder if beer cartel does uh, is going to be seltzer cartel as well. Um, out, a, out of interest, yeah, is the um, 
the two online businesses is one called you know White Claw and the no. alcoholic one is called Why Bother. <laughs> no, no, but you know it, it's one of those things. Like I, I think you sit here to see you know craft beer is a growing craft beer is growing seltzer's huge. Um, people are going to want to get it. We'll start a business selling only seltzer. You know, um, and you sort of think, well, does you know. What is the business case for that? Because you, there's no exclusivity around the products and having an all-in-one store for seltzer, I, I just don't know that there is anything that you can offer that's over and above the regular retail channels. And the other thing is you're never going to get the scale um, because you're only selling seltzer, whereas if somebody's going to Beer Cartel, they might get a you know, four-pack of the new uh, Ray Seltzer, but then they'll also get you know some of the other things. Um, so, yeah, no, I just... Yeah, I, I, mind you, again, I'd stand to, to be proved wrong. Um, you know, if in five years' time, Seltzer Town or whatever it was called is, uh, you know, being acquired by AB InBev because it's the biggest thing in Seltzer, I just you know, find it very hard to believe. Or, or, or Seltzer Town is just a ghost town with tumbleweeds <laughs> yeah. blowing across the, the main drag. With a World Heritage listing. So remember those. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear, fun times. Hey, listen, we need to move on. Uh, speaking of uh, ways to get your product to your consumer and an interesting one this week jimmy brings um which i think is i don't i only heard about that through you matt so i wondered whether it had begun in in brisbane because i hadn't yeah. seen it it's, down it's, here and it's here i ordered something through it the other is, day is it queensland only uh, I thought... it's postcode based but i believe it's brisbane i think they're on the gold coast and maybe even yeah they've got the list of postcodes up on oh really the, so, the so this is jimmy brings yeah yeah, I ordered it. I ordered something the other night. I got some Black Ops IPA. So was, it's not national. Jimmy Brings isn't national. Oh, I don't know if it's not national. I would okay. assume it is. I, I just, I, I was just assuming that it had started in Brisbane because I'd only heard about it through you guys, um, and now more recently. And apropos of our next story, hometown heroes support Melbourne breweries. And the blurb on the ad for Jimmy Brings: It's been a tough few months in Melbourne, and we love to band together to support our local favourites. Buying from local breweries helps keep jobs, and will help ensure that there's still fun places to enjoy once everything starts getting back to hashtag normal enjoy these melbourne heroes pictured as melbourne heroes are a stubby of carlton draft a can of two birds summer ale a can of kaiju crush and a stubby of furfy refreshing ale to which uh there was a comment um well, look, from just before we just before we move to the comments, because there were some comments on it, but I, I saw that that came up in my LinkedIn feed. You know, just, just scrolling through and saw this hometown heroes. You know, straight away take notice because local has been, you know, on my radar um, recently. And then I looked at it and I sort of thought, you know, Carlton Draft and Furphy, you know, side by side with Kaiju and um, Two Birds, that's really interesting. And I flicked it straight away to our little um, uh, messenger group just to sort of say. You know, we'll discuss this tomorrow. And when we opened the show notes, Joe had also picked out some comments where somebody had weighed in, to, and it was to Danielle, um, who had shared the thing on LinkedIn. I'm surprised you would be supporting a campaign that states Carlton and Furphy are hometown heroes brewed by local breweries. Two Birds is indeed a Mel- Melbourne hero. Kieran and Asahi, most definitely not. And Danielle replied, thanks, Mark, for your support. Those breweries provide Melbourne people with local jobs and upskilling people in an industry that needs it. Supporting a campaign that promotes sales of our product to keep people in jobs is what's important to us right now. And I just thought, I, I was quite happy to discuss this without that comment, but I just think that that's such a fascinating... Well, what are your thoughts on local, Matt? Because you've been fairly quiet on it the last month. 
but I love local. I absolutely love local. And I want to support local breweries, and I think everyone should support their local breweries. But my issue is how, you know, when you just campaign for a thing like this, it becomes co-opted um, by, you know, people who want to glom their business onto that thing. And I'm sorry, but there is absolutely no fucking way that Carlton Draft lives the... Um, and, you know, sorry, um, harsh language warning kids. Um, but when you read... You're supposed Vine... to do the warning before you speak. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, kids. Just, um, just for next time. <laughs> Uncle Matt didn't mean it. Um, but buying from local breweries helps keeps jobs and will ensure that there's still fun places to enjoy once everything starts getting back to normal. Now, I'm sorry, but um, Abbotsford Brewery isn't going anywhere during COVID. You know, that's one of the benefits of having a huge multinational behind you is the business isn't at risk. Yes, two birds is at it. But, you know, I, the, the, one of the reasons I flicked this um, Hometown Heroes thing through is because, you know, we've talked about um, local love art, you know, two months ago when they first, or, you know, it was even before that, when BWS were inviting people to vote for their favourite... Their lover local. Uh, yeah, lo- a local lover. Local lover. Lo- local lover. And I thought, isn't this great? You know, they're getting on board... But since then, like you've and you've seen the billboards with you know, the the local breweries, and you know more recently, um, you've seen the, the the heart and breweries campaigning for their beers to be voted for in this local level, you know, with that heart, and you know, so it's well, we're voting for us, you know, support us, but at the same time, the campaign is edging more and more and more to being a promotion for Dan Murphy's or, or um, BWS than it is for um, the the breweries themselves. But, you know, you can understand the business imperative of, well, you know, there's a benefit to us, so we'll sort of marshal our um, supporters to support us. And in, if doing so, we support um, BWS, then, you know, that, that's all part of it. But, you know, the Hometown Heroes campaign, when, when a small brewery is supporting that, um, it's great for them. And, you know, Jimmy Brings Supporting Local is absolutely fantastic. And go out and buy your two birds um, or your kaiju through um, Jimmy Brings. But I mean, Furphy's not even a Melbourne brewery. So it's not even local. It, it's local to Victoria. Um, but as soon as you start saying, you know, that line of it brings jobs to Melbourne, um, you, you, you've basically said, well, independence doesn't matter because that's exactly the line that whenever the Brewers Association talks about um, independence, um, they always say, you know, Lion and um, Asahi now, we employ Australians, those wage dollars are spent here. And, you know, they're, they're exactly true, that's something we've said. But it basically kills your argument for independence if you are jumping on the same campaign that the, the Brewers Association is. Do you think there's a different perception? If it wasn't Carlton Draft, but maybe a smaller, you know, "Quote unquote craft brewery in that place, you know. For example, in Queensland, if you said if that lineup featured a Green Beacon product, do you think you've got a little bit more of a sentimental or an emotional kind of leeway for that, or is it just kind of a blanket? You know, it's owned by the big boys, therefore well, it's not supporting hometown heroes. But that's where um, you know my cynicism about this idea of local, um, as I've been banging on for the last couple of weeks, comes from because. Everyone is local, and Green Beacon is local, and Abbotsford, and you know the, the Milton Brewery down the hill from us—they're all local. Um, but 
this is where it's a campaign that actually, you know, and I'm, I'm not here waving the flag for independence, but this is where the, the, the battle lines are drawn. And if you're going to say, well, local is what matters, um, and then you're going to back a campaign that says, well, international breweries are local as well, then you're basically saying independence doesn't matter. Um, and, and, and that's where these things become so convoluted. And, yeah, I completely under, I'm, I'm not having a go at um, Two Birds um, or, or Danielle for sort of saying that. I know Danielle's a member of our um, Facebook group, um, and, and I'm not saying that, but this is where um, the, the, the constant erosion of the things that small independent breweries um, are, are wanting to reinforce um, and you're having, you know, big organisations who don't ultimately care, uh, you know, they don't care about the thing that local represents. They don't care about the thing that independent represents. They just see it as a cynical marketing angle um, because, hey, during COVID, people want to support local, will support local as well, but we don't actually give a shit what local means. We just want to get people in the door. So, yeah, you know, and I'll bet you there'd be co-op dollars from um, CUB and Furphy or at least, you know, keeping the big boys happy. I mean, it's, yeah, I think the longer we go through this, the, the, the trickier it gets. I mean, I, you know, I have friends who work at Green Beacon, mm. you know, good, you know, good mates kind of thing. And I'll buy their beer, absolutely. Um, you know, I... I Similarly, I know people who work at Forex, and I will probably be less likely to buy <laughs> their yeah. beer. But but that's because that, that those beers beer aren't to your taste, as opposed to I mean, Forex dries are cracking. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but again, but it, also, yeah, it's not. You know, I don't know. For me, I don't know. My purchasing habits are probably a bit kind of all over the shop. But um, yeah, like Bolter as well. Absolutely. If I'm down on the Gold Coast, I'll go to Bolter for sure. Absolutely. And, and again, like none of these comments uh, that, that I make about this co-opting of the term local are against the you know Carlton drafts of the world or against the the furfies of the world um, because they do create jobs but it's it's more looking at where you know there are these consumer marketing terms that people value um, and you know independence is one that independent brewers are trying to create currency and they're trying to um, local is something that draws on some of that you know if it's local it's good you know it's it's community and it does it definitely feels like they've found because we've seen it so much that you know local hometown thing it really seems like the the big guys have found their pocket to kind of sell more product and capitalize on the fact that it's in the same state or within the same sort of region you know you go oh because our local brewery from where we're sitting right now is forex it's forex yeah <laughs> but and that's what i've been saying about yeah. local you know yeah. like it's it's a term that the big guys can't be excluded from. And I guess that's why I flagged this because this is the, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like how quickly that circle of local has become, um, you know, these big breweries. So, yeah. Speaking of local, in local news, uh, Pink Boots Australia has a new president. It was an important occasion for the Pink Boots Australia chapter last week as Tiffany Waldron was voted in as president, taking over the role from Ellen McDonald, who announced she was stepping down in July. Uh, Tiffany's appointment was announced at the AGM last Thursday, along with that of Laura Hose, who has become the vice president. She's moved over from her role as secretary. Um, Melinda Christopherson, who has moved from membership coordinator to secretary, and Jackie Sacco, uh, now in the new role of events and communications coordinator. Um, and interestingly, um, 
and not throwing it in because they're sponsors, but credit where credit's due, Cryer Malt and Yakima Chief Hops presented Pink Boots Australia with a cheque for $4,380 from the sales of the 2020 Pink Boots Blend. Um, and that donation, of course, will be used to um, further support scholarships for women in the beer industry. Mm. Onwards and upwards um, to the whole Pink Boots organisation. Congratulations to what people like uh, Zoe and Ali um, have achieved um, in growing that membership. Um, and you know, hopefully that can continue. For those who are listening, what are, what is the criteria to join Pink Boots? You just have to... Just work in the beer industry in some uh, Draw some percentage of your um, yep. wages from uh, the beer and brewing industry. So craft beer, or oh yeah, beer bar owners... Suppliers, suppliers, yep, retailers, um, journalists, uh, um, beer journalists. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, video production or um, or media of any sort. So yeah, it's not it's not just brewers, and it's also uh, and I don't know whether it's a deliberate um, move towards brewing and distilling, adding in the because um, I did notice on one of the, I think it was one of the announcements of the change of of roles um, where. It was specified because I sort of jumped out at me that it was and distilling. So I think it's sort of across the alcohol industry rather than just beer, I think. But correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'll need to go back. And again, I don't want to get involved in grubby self-promotion uh, of our <laughs> podcast or anything like that um, by glomming on the pink boots term to uh, Radio Brews News. But we did have an excellent uh Conversation three-part uh, series with uh, Terry Farendorf um, that goes right through the background and the need for uh, Pink Boots and, and how it came to be. And, uh, you know, like it was very, very insightful. So uh, if you want to go back and listen to that, it's uh, well worth your time. It, it is. It is well worth a listen. Terry was out... Uh, two years ago. Two uh, years ago at... Sydney. Sydney. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it was literally a case I sat down, um, I'd asked whether it was possible to interview her and it was organised and the number of people that commented, you know, they, they sort of went to a session and came back and I was still having a chat with her and they went to another session and came back and so it ended up being this three hour long um, uh, just conversation that we broke into three parts and it was just, you know, a, a wonderful, wonderful time. It's one of those things that I'll Yeah, well Terry's been involved a you know, as a, as a woman in beer and uh, as a, a forerunner of the – forerunner? Uh, a foundation stone, if you like, of of the pink boots concept, and uh, also in brewing. But then also the third spear to it, point to her trident would be um, uh, malting. Malting, yeah, as well. She's been involved in, and more in uh, like the the technical, scientific, uh, like uh, genetic development of of malting grain. And if you're ever in Portland, so, she has a little cottage that she rents out um, called the Brewers Cottage, so you can uh, even go and stay with her. And she also does quite a bit of um, pottery, or I, I should say ceramic art, because it's not she doesn't just throw in pots. She does like decorative pieces and things like that. So there you go. There's just no end to the talents. But congratulations to all in Pink Boots Australia, just to bring it back. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, speaking of you guys drinking your no alcohol beer, there, Stone and Wood launches low alcohol beer called East Point, um, and we Matt, you did a. Interview with uh, Paris Conversation mm. with Keels. I did uh, with Keels and with Keel and Vaughan. Yeah, look it, it, again, just a little bit of um, sort of inside the tent for you know what makes us choose. You know, we, we've seen a lot of low alcohol beers um, or you know zero alcohol beers that, that come through, and any one of those would have been an interesting story to sort of talk about the beer. But 
straight away when we got the media release um, announcing this, it was a 2.7 beer, um, 2.7% alcohol beer. So whereas a lot of other breweries had been going for that zero tag, it kind of stood out. I sort of thought, oh, that's interesting that Stonewood has gone 2.7 as opposed to, you know, following that ultra-low alcohol trend. And, you know, I wonder why that is. And, you know... That was where um, the, the the idea for having a chat to Keelan started, and then it was just really, really interesting um, talking to him. That it's not, you know, I, I assumed that they had made a beer that they um, wanted because Stonewood can pasteurise. That you know they would have uh, made this in house, which again is unusual for a lot of the low alcohol beers because they often need to be pasteurised. Yep. And uh, it, it just sort of fell out as part of this conversation that this was a beer that had been, um, you know, acidified or, you know, slightly soured, although they don't want to talk about sour beers because the sourness arms race has almost cast a pall over sour beers and there's a bit of salt in there and some of the flavours. I'm sort of, hold on, this sounds very much like a, um, uh, like a, like a, a goes or, you know, that style of sour beer but a much more drinkable form so it was a fascinating chat um that there's a lot of subtext to you know they're they're brewing a low alcohol beer they had a mindset um for what they wanted to um create but then in a very stone and wood way they have made it their own again doing something a little bit different to what the rest of the market is doing because of some insights that they had, which harks back to when they created Pacific Ale, um, when everyone was doing American Pale Ales, they dialed things back a notch, which was, you know, very different to what was going on before. They zigged when everyone else zagged. They did zig when everyone else zagged. <laughs> there's a new... Uh, uh, we're doing bingo again. There's the, well, there's a new bingo. bingo. Yeah, we're yeah. going to need a bigger bingo card. Local it's, zigzag. It's pretty huge that, I mean, arguably the biggest... And you can tick that one off too if you think I was doing bloody... Um, <laughs> Old mate, oh, what's his name from Jaws? Um, anyway, Roy Schneider, um, Chief Brody. All right, all Go right, on. all right, all right. Biggest, biggest <laughs> craft brewery. He only does three. All right, yeah. all right. Biggest craft brewery in Australia releasing a light beer. I feel like light beer was this thing as we talk, as you guys talked about on the the, the, the interview. Um, light beer kind of became this almost punishment drink. It was almost like the uh, you know we better do something because. You know, who would have thought you can't drink and drive, etc. And uh, you know, it's it's kind of come back around. And I think you know, for the biggest, it's a positive choice as positive opposed choice. to a negative. Yeah, yeah. Mm, and yeah. Um, yeah, for the biggest craft brewery in Australia to to release one as a part of their core range as well, not just as a once off. I think that's huge. And I mean, I love, you know, uh, as as we've said a few times on this podcast, you know, I run a lot and with my running club, <laughs> bingo. you know, yeah, dipping uh, with my running club, you know. Uh, We'll finish running, and some nights you don't want a five, six percent beer. It's you know, so I always scan the taps for a decent low alcohol beer. But sometimes you just go, oh, I just don't want to, you know. It's it, it's usually there's nothing on tap. It'll be something in a in a can or a bottle in the fridge, or um, you know, maybe it's just not not that interesting. Whereas this actually sounds like it's got some really cool flavors going on, um, and you can sort of you know you could have a schooner or a pint of it and be like still fun to drive and you know all that sort of stuff. So. I think it's going to be a winner. I want to get our people in touch with uh, Stone and Woods people and see if we can get – because I reckon Jimmy would be the ideal face of, of an advertising campaign for – That's it. For like, you know. Yeah. They're, they're certainly could, uh, thinking of, you know, that sort of lifestyle. Um, 
But I could just see Jimmy at the base of Mount Cutho or something like that and going, you know, now you wouldn't believe me if I told you, <laughs> but I could run like the wind blows. Exactly. And but, then he's duck, 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 and off he goes. The Running. Other, the, the other thing I like, see, you're very good at Forrest Gump, not so good at Matthew McConaughey. So, but you know that, which actually frightens me a little bit. But um, the, the the other thing I love about the way that they've approached it is, you know, I, I think we've said on the podcast here. Ever since I tried Watermelon Warhead at Good Beer Week, Good Beer Week 2013, 2013, and you know, after a whole lot of palate wrecking IPAs, it's late at night. You're just thinking, I need to get up and do this tomorrow. I want something that's a little bit lighter, and it just became my go-to because it was a beer that you could it. it was low alcohol. It had, you know, lo- a, a actually delivery of flavour. So it was a rewarding drink. Um, and ever since then, I've sort of thought, well, you know, when you go into bars, quite often craft beer bars, the only low alcohol beer that they've had, or lower alcohol beer they've had, was tended to be a sour that you could often get under four percent. And it's just a beer for purpose. I love the way that they've approached it. So said, look, this is what we want to achieve, and. They've taken some of those cues from that beer style and you know made a beer that is has both flavour and yeah. So and I yeah. wonder whether it's a a stroke of genius from Stone and Wood coming as it is off the back of beers like the Gatherer, where they've already like played in that space of a lower alcohol, easy drinking. Uh, I mean that was cucumber lime and watermelon. Watermelon. This is, like you say, if this has got a, a hint of goza to it, which they describe as a, a zesty tang, um, that it's kind of, it, it's, you know, uh, coming off the, jumping off the back of that. Anyway. Mm. But and look, interesting to I'm say. quite happy to admit, um, as, as I sit here drinking my uh, Holgate Love All, which is a you know really nice beer, and Jimmy's drinking his uh, Nerd. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> um, it, now, so if, if a... If, if Nergener or um, uh, Mikola perhaps did a, um, a, a no alcohol beer, they could call it Nert and put the little umla over <laughs> umla, the O right. or, the, or the stroke through it, sort of like an Ikea. But yeah, because Nert, Nert kind of sounds like a, oh, look, it's a, you know, a, um, an Ikea bookcase. <laughs> it does. I think on that too. <laughs> Not if, a refreshing no alcohol beer. On that too, if we were at a barbecue right now and we were drinking these, mm. You'd, you're definitely going to cop more flack from people than if you're drinking a light beer because people still have this perception of no alcohol as this kind of like, oh, what's wrong with you? Like, oh, are you on medicine or something? Why aren't you drinking alcohol, <laughs> but you're still drinking your beer? Well, no, look, <laughs> but, I no, look I, the, the only thing I would change is because it does, like the Holgate beer does say love all and naught is naught. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would change, I, I would bring out a low alcohol beer or a zero alcohol beer called Big Ass Beer. Um, so that way you can stand at the barbecue and tell everyone that, you know, I'm drinking a big-ass beer, but just quietly sipping no alcohol. But it would be actually very high in residual sugar, thus giving you uh, a big-ass uh, over time. Uh, well, no, because <laughs> looking at the um, Killjoys, because that is still my one legacy, I think. I'm thoroughly enjoying this whole gate. Um, yeah, like I, I can actually enjoy the flavour. But the, the one thing that I do come back to is... Still looking at, you know, 204 um, kilojoules per bottle, um, which isn't a lot. It's still a third of, of, of beer. But if, I'm, if I wanted to drink something that wasn't about masking the fact that I wasn't drinking beer, um, but still wanted the flavour, the, uh, what is it, the, the Hop Valley Noosa H2O, the hopped water from Heads of Noosa, um, 
is just an absolutely cracking it's water it looks like water like sparkling water but it tastes like um beer like you open it and it smells like little creatures it's got that lovely sort of cascade um hop aroma um to it but it's got Mm. it's got hop flavor and and no calories and that would be the one thing i was thinking that if i was really looking you know being mindful of uh that sort of thing i would go for something that was uh zero because it's it's just empty calories otherwise you you, you're not getting any out of it now for our benefit of our listeners because you guys have a can and a bottle there uh do they have they're both in bottles they're both bottles are they uh can you have a look there on the label does Mm. it have a does it have uh, independent uh brewer seal on it but secondly most importantly does it have does it have a pregnant woman with a tick no it doesn't mine mine has the independent but no pregnant woman with a tick no not that we want to encourage people to drink, you know. But it doesn't not, have to because it doesn't have alcohol in. That's what I mean. That's the thing. So is, so, there, a, is there an alternative to – are we sort of saying, you know, is there an opportunity there, what I'm saying is, to, you know, to put a rallying cry for uh, rather than chastising you for picking up the alcoholic one, here's a pat on the back one because, you know, if you do want to have that, that flavour of beer and that experience that, you know, mentally you like or emotionally you like but without having the actual alcohol – Anyway, I just thought there could be an opportunity. I could guarantee that if they did that, they would be accused by anti-alcohol people of grooming, you know, or, you know, pandering to, or um, essentially grooming drinkers. Um, You know, it's just like if they had a child on, because technically a child could drink this, um, but... I've got to make my setups a little bit more obvious. Um, oh, sorry, because Pete. you'd of course call <laughs> rallying labels stickers and packaging. I thought right up until <laughs> so the bit where you said accused of grooming, and I've gone what? Whoa, speaking of on. seamless, Pete, the the sleeves that rallying have have no seam. They have no seam. No. exactly, because they slip over and then they shrink wrap, don't they? So brewers, if you're still applying self-adhesive labels to your bottles and cans because you believe that that is a sustainable solution for your packaging needs, you may want to call Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging to discuss your options with them. The team at Rellings will walk you through the various options available that are more sustainable than applying self-adhesive labels, which don't help the environment at all, despite what you may think. Um, give the guys a call on 1300 852 235 to find out more. Moving right along, did, you, did somebody say Seamless? Just so I, that the boys can, you know, the guys can tick it off on their bingo card. <laughs> yes. Hey, did you see brew? Um, sorry. <laughs> no. Well, actually, there was some brew uh, brew news this week, but you know, we, we made an editorial. De- actually, a couple of big editorial decisions we made this week. We decided not to cover brew, um, which we're now talking about on the podcast, but we're not going to actually talk you just about. Can't it. help yourself. Can well, you? we're going to talk about not talking about it. And ten, ten bucks. Ten bucks for a stubby holder. Who charges for stubby holders for a start? And then 10 bucks. Well, if you can't and, make money on your beer, beer, make money on the merch. <laughs> One year on, Moondog World. Uh, it's been quite a year since Moondog World Preston opened, but despite the COVID-19 and the ongoing Melbourne lockdowns, Moondog Craft Brewery has not been quiet behind the scenes. With a capacity of 725, the venue, which consists of four warehouses in the Melbourne suburb of Preston, opened in early 2019. Um, hotly anticipated opening, uh, no wonder, considering there's nothing comparable in Australia. It's um, got 72 taps, it's got a hidden tiki bar, a lagoon, and an, it's not a pool, because then it's got to have a fence around it, uh, a lagoon and an in-house waterfall. But for the moment, of course, it's closed along with um, every other venue across Melbourne and uh, it's having to adapt to the constantly changing rules and regulations. Um, but they found that, that these challenges are not insurmountable. 
so a good story there by by Claire on uh, on Moondog World worth a, worth a, a read. Yeah, and look, I have to say that um, when we do our annual award show, Pete, um, which is kind of a joke because I don't think we've ever done a uh, award. Have we ever done an award show? No, no. Oh, um, we do our yeah best ofs, but no, we should go on. Should we? Um, I, I still think what? the Moon Dog. Um, Bar in a box uh, or pub in a box was one of the COVID pivots. Um, you know, one of the best COVID pivots where they, you know, gave you the bar mat and the beer glasses and uh, the other bits and, and pieces. The peanuts. And then the peanuts. Yeah. So the peanuts. Yep. In that story as well, they they talked about um, implementing me and you, which is a um, a table beacon ordering system. Um, and sort of they were saying that at the end of the lockdown, they implemented that as a way to keep people seated in the venues and not going to the bar all the time. Yeah. So I think, um, mm. yeah, I think... That's the, like a QR code. Yeah, there's a QR um, code and like a little NFC beacon on it. So they're at every table and that basically acts as your... You, you scan the QR code or you tap your, your phone to the NFC and it pops up with a uh, website-based app which is your menu, which you order menu. and pay through. Is that what you're using down at Fellas? Yeah, we use I, was, it. I was going to ask yeah. about that. And um, it's, it's interesting because technology like this has kind of been around for a couple of years now. I, I've spoken to suppliers about this kind of thing, and I've just never really pulled the trigger on it because I just go, ah, it just sounds like an extra thing I've got to deal with and you know, who's really going to use it, et cetera, et cetera. But we use it for probably 90% of the venue. And then it sounds like Moondog um, World uses it as well um, for a fair bit. And it's, it's you know, and it's actually interesting because people really like it and it's sped up that process of kind of moving forward. And, and people always talk about how technology is going to affect hospitality. And I think this is it. It's not really affected it. It's kind of just the next step of how people order food and drinks at a, at a venue. So... Cool so, Jimmy, there. is the biggest thing from a hospital point of view is the biggest thing that you avoid um, queues at the bar, mm. or is it the that you restrict the movement of people in the venue and therefore the, the you lessen the chances of contamination? Yeah, both. So, I guess on a COVID sort of standpoint, it it makes we basically when people come in the venue, they get seated at their table straight away, and then um, they just start ordering from the from the table. Um, so it does. I mean, obviously, it takes away that nice kind of human point of contact when they go to the bar and they talk to the bartender about what's new and interesting, etc. But um, you can communicate quite well through when you're seating people and through the app, you can kind of put in notes and things like that. So I think um, that's one thing that we're really missing at the moment. But when we go back to normal and people can come back to the bar again, um, you know, you can do that. But then people can go... For their second or third or fourth round, they can just sit at the table and order. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a great evolution for hospitality. Jimmy, you, out of all of us, most recently went to school. Matt and I went to school about the similar kind of eras, 10 years apart or so. Um, did you guys ever play like 1120? You know, like where you, the whole class organises that at 1120, everyone take your jumper off or everyone drop a pen. Oh, no. So I'm just wondering whether... It would have been so much fun you at could, school, Pete. <laughs> I just wonder what would happen if you did an eleven twenty, where say everyone, you know, like five hundred people at Fallon's decide everyone order a beer yeah. at eleven twenty. Yeah, no, would that, it blow up the system? Or yeah, so we yeah uh, that was something that we worked through, um, but we've managed that now. So, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, during a 
Friday, you know, peak periods, um, absolutely, you're getting dozens of orders. So the, the orders come through in order. So if, if I'm table one mm-hmm. and I've ordered, I'm the 10th one to order, yep. I'm not going to get mine first because I'm table one and closest to the bar. It's going to go to whatever table ordered first and I'll be the 10th one served. It all gets put through... Um, you get a timestamp on the docket. So exactly the same. Think of right. it. Think yeah, of it yeah, as so, yeah, yeah. think of it as just the bar is now a kitchen. It's a docket. So you get a docket, yeah. and then yep. you just go. You work from you know first order to last order, effectively. And then yeah, instead of having people paying and collecting at the bar, we now turned most of our staff into food and drink runners. So it's a little bit of a different yeah. system there. I, but and I suppose um, I just had a thought: red thoughts into green thoughts too. It would bingo. eliminate because no nobody would know who's ordered first. So it wouldn't be, oh, that guy pushed in. Oh, excuse me, mate, I was here before you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, actually, yeah, I, right. it's actually quite quite a cool system. So it's good to see the Moondog jumping on that as well. And I think more people will as well. I, I think plenty of people will watch to see how it uh, how it pans out, particularly, you know, once Melbourne's open again um, and, and to see if it's worth, uh, yeah, taking up. Yeah. Uh, now, just before we jump into the mailbag and finish this one up, uh, new dates for the virtual IBD Asia-Pacific Convention. The 36th biennial convention is scheduled now for the 23rd and 24th of February 2021. The organisation was forced to postpone the convention, which was set to be held in Perth uh, in March this year. <laughs> Do you guys remember March? Um, as the COVID-19 situation escalated and caused nationwide lockdowns, it was initially postponed um as a, a live event, the 22nd to the 25th of Feb next year, but the IBD has now announced that next year's event will be a fully virtual experience with an enhanced program of brewing and distilling content. Just tell you what, shares in Zoom, you know. Well, they have gone up, haven't they? They have to, wouldn't they? But is it, yeah. Well, they, they, yeah, I think, or, I think or it whatever, was a chance. You know, Microsoft please. Teams or, yeah, I know, yeah. Oh, that's all right. I'll, I'm always going to take wait. my stock I'm, I'm from you retrospectively though, Pete. Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm just waiting just till till the uh, the share price drops a little bit more, and then I'm going to jump on brew. I, that's what I was going to. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Hashtag can it get any lower? Well, I, um, I wanted to buy some it's like, shares. Maybe it's like Bitcoin. You could like halve the shares. <laughs> I wanted to buy some hey, shares. A percentage of a cent. Just so I could go to the annual general meeting. Um, <laughs> you know, figuring that you could sort of buy 500 shares, and you know, like so for beer money for the for cost dollars fifty <laughs> for the cost of a uh, schooner, but you have to spend five hundred dollars, and it's just not worth that. Ah, mind you, just get just for five hundred dollars. I pretty much own the business. <laughs> yeah, try. <it. laughs> uh, at least a controlling interest. All right, um, which brings us neatly to the mailbag. Now, don't forget, you can review us on iTunes or send us an email to be in the draw for the letter of the week. Uh, you can also join our Facebook group. Just search for Radio Brews News. And uh, the password is Soapbox. All letter writers, um, and that's letters, cards, emails, comments on the Facebook page, um, either the Radio Brews News or the um, uh, Australian Brews News Facebook pages, will receive a Deb Lou Bakes cookie and go into the draw to win a mix six pack. Thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, who sponsor our letter of the week. We've got an Apple review. Jimmy, read us the Apple review from Gavin. Five-star Apple review by Gavin from The Wool House, essential listening for the Australian beer industry. Great podcast. It is essential listening for anyone in the Australian beer industry to keep up to date to all the current news or to find out what goes on in the mind of the industry leaders like Matt and Pete. <laughs> the crew provide intelligent discussion about the current issues with balanced and varied opinions. As a small bar owner, the podcast is a 
is the best way to stay informed as I go about my busy day. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. We might have to uh, we might have to sign up to APRA and get people to pay if they're going to play our podcast as uh, you know. I don't think well, it's on. Work. I don't think it's on during Friday lunch service. I think it's, <laughs> <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> it could promote discussion. That's part of what we do. Why we do what we do, and yeah. I, I'm sure that you know a lot of our stuff would generate discussion, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm sure people's ears are burning. <laughs> no, I can Is control their enthusiasm. Thing? Jeez, dial it back, boys. Um, anyway, that'll do us for this week. What are you guys up to this week? Well, Jimmy's Jim, Jimmy's dressed oh, in his bar manager's outfit. Yeah. He's he's got the slightly scuffed uh, blundies. Yeah, I got the I got the, the I got the bat suit on. Are they to work? Are they blundies or are they yeah uh, blundstones? Are they our blundies? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah the um, and and the uh, white muscle shirt. He should almost have a uh, a number around his neck, Pete. <laughs> number one. That's a, obviously a very a very Queensland thing. We tend to have the, the the black you know polo neck down here. No, no, he's got the white shirt with the sleeves rolled up. Yeah, looking looking very like buff. Nineteen eighty one Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> That's what I was going for today. I don't know. So was that like ten years before you were born? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on that note, uh, thanks very much, Matt. Thank you very much, Jimmy. Thank you, Pete. Thanks very much to our very good friends <laughs> Sorry, at Primal. Thank for you, Pete. It. Sorry, I, you went straight to Jimmy. I didn't get a chance to uh, thank you. So, yeah, I was uh, well. I'll consider myself thanked. Um, uh, thanks to Relling's label stickers and packaging, and to our good friends at Beer Cartel who make this all possible. And most of all, thank you to you, the listeners. Um, Jeez, 289 episodes in. Who would have thought? So until next week for Brews Newsweek, uh, this is Pete Mitchum thanking you for listening and saying, drink fresh, drink local, look after each other and wash your damn hands. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.